you for listening and tuning in to the truth be told hosea 4 6 podcast um we are truly grateful for all of you all listening um per usual um thank you for keeping up with us life has gotten a little a little hectic a little busy um a little busier and um so we're gonna work to continue to pump out that content pump out some episodes for you guys and and um Get some good stuff um, coming out for y'all. The last couple of recordings we've had, we've had to reschedule. So those kind of got pushed back a little bit. But we are um, still still pushing stuff out. You know what I'm saying? If you haven't gone through and listened to our previous episode episodes, please go and do that. Um, we're always uh, you know, open to uh, dialogue. We're always open to conversation. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, reach out to us via email. Um, tbthosea46 at gmail.com or um, you know you can just send us a message through social media that's facebook um instagram um i think that's it we have a twitter but we don't really post a lot on twitter um we we post our episodes on twitter but we don't really check DMs and all of that. So definitely hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. Those are the quickest ways. Um, and and email as well. Yeah, I might I might hop on Twitter with the uh Cardi B and uh Candace Owens B. <laughs> oh man. I don't even know anything. I, I haven't been keeping I... up with anything, man. And like when you sent that video to me, I mean it was it was, you know, caught me by surprise that they were even going um, back and forth. And then I think the Angela Stan video, I think you sent it to you sent a post to me. She said something yeah. about it. And, um, you know, man, I, I, I got to thinking about it today and I was thinking about how um, I've, I've, I've heard I've heard black people say before, you know, this is the most important time for us all to be unified and we're not unified. And I always wonder and question what their intent or meaning behind that statement is right and i feel like some people's meaning behind it is unity when we believe and agree with the same thing same, yeah yeah and yeah. that's not unity i don't believe as you know i don't believe unity means that you have to agree right with every single thing you have to be in a line with every single thing i feel like if your morals are right um you know if you have a similar agenda if black person a happens to be a republican and black person b happens to be a democrat but they both want to uplift the black community mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. unity yeah you know yeah. you don't have to agree on political stance or whatever the case may be yeah yeah i think oh man i'm trying to say this without being too controversial say it say it get your ben shapiro on <laughs> no, yeah Yo, uh, uh, what's his name? Joe Rogan. <laughs> that other guy's name that 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 stormed uh that stormed. Oh, uh, that, that's my that boy Alex Jones, yo. Yeah, yeah. It's the way I guess it's how he says the stuff which makes it so funny. To me, it makes it so makes him more interesting. But 
I wonder like if black people have just they're like the pawn in the middle. Like this, mm. you got all these political parties, these agendas, and the focus point is black people. And so it's kind of like we're gonna shape and mold them. So I'm thinking like, have we been conditioned? Because if somebody doesn't vote Democrat, mm-hmm. oh, you Uncle Tom. You know, you start getting pushed back from your people. Yeah, you know, man, don't you know they don't (laughs) care for you? But then when you show them the political facts from the opposing side, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't they don't want to hear it. It was like, man, they programming you, you know. But and it's not it's not me saying I support Republican. I'm just saying, like what you said too. A couple episodes ago that you should position yourself in the gray area mm. and study you know mm. like i like what candace owens said and i'm not a candace owens fan but she <laughs> made i'm serious she made, she, yeah, she made sense and i'm not saying because i don't want to tie myself to any political party at all i don't right. they're full of liars i don't care what side mm. you're gonna lie hey but mm-hmm. she made a point she said cardi b you came in my world i didn't mm-hmm. come in your world she said, this is my field. This is my lane is politics. Mm. She said, I wouldn't have a problem if you spitting facts. But I mean, just looking at that jump with Joe Biden interviewing Cardi B, you mm-hmm. can see the disgust on Joe Biden's face. Like, I can't believe they got <laughs> me talking to her. She sound like a fool. Mm. They know what they doing. Chess you moves. Know, it's chess moves. That's all it is. And we we just... I, like I said, we're so conditioned to what well, them, them Republicans, they don't care nothing for black people. You know, they don't want to help us. And mm-hmm. But at the flip side of you put majority of your abortion clinics where black and brown people are. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you got people that's running for office that are passing these laws for prisons or, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, like Bill Clinton's three strike laws that unfairly targeted black men. Mm-hmm. A simple possession of a couple ounces of weed. Right. You can go to jail for life. Right. And Trump reversed that. I'm not saying I'm, I'm a pro Trumper, but I'm just saying we got to look at the facts. I'm not saying anything Republicans do are correct, mm-hmm. you know, because they fighting over who going to get the bailout money and stimulus money now. That's why I say I don't have nothing to deal with politics. Mm-hmm. You know, I just come from the scripture aspect of it, where it says that we ought to pray for those in authority. Mm-hmm. But and on, on that um, on that topic of of Biden and, and Cardi B, I think um, you know it's just, just like I mentioned to you before. It's all chess moves. You know, mm-hmm. you have you have to be strategic in everything that you do. And yeah. I honestly feel like you know. Biden doing that was a chess move, you know what I'm saying? He 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 may or may not have been asking why they had me up here, but he agreed to it. Yeah. And he agreed yeah. to it because he knows that there's some benefit to him being um on line with her. Just like oh, yeah. it was a benefit yeah. of him being online with um what's his name? What's his name? I know his name and it's slipping my mind. Um Charlemagne the God. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. when he came out and said if you can't decide if you for me or Trump and you ain't black. And it's like, 
Right. It's, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you know? he's, he's giving into the notion that we're conditioned to automatically exactly. view the Democratic Party as far as my problem is every time there's a movement for the justiceness mm. for black people, it's always hijacked by mm. European led other civil rights groups. Let me say that. Mm. Because that was a complaint for a lot of Black Lives Matter. You know, I'm just saying people that just say, hey, they don't, they don't support the organization, but they they kind of slid back. They was like, look, mm. man, the LGBTQ hijacked this movement. Mm. You know, uh, it's other issues that will hijack the movement. It's like black people will attract anything. You know, it's almost like that dude saying, you know, they really ain't going to listen to you. You need a white man for them to listen mm. to you. You know, uh, but I think what Biden, when he said that, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, uh, is saying that we can't think for ourselves mm-hmm. and that we're conditioned to automatically see they think the black people, oh, that's an automatic vote. That's automatic. Mm-hmm. But see, like more Latinos, they're moving towards conservatism mm-hmm. because of family values and family mm-hmm. structure. Yeah. You know. And it's, it's, it's all, I don't know, man. I, all I can really go back to is that it's all chess moves at the end of the day. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Big you have to, you have to look, you know, five moves ahead. You know, you might sacrifice a pawn in order to grab that king, yeah. but, you know, that pawn is unnecessary. And going on, you know, just kind of going back to, you know, um, I, I honestly believe that, you know, Biden would do something. Even Trump, like I'm not even just gonna put it on Biden, it's Trump too. Like mm-hmm. when they go to these these events or these these press conferences, whatever the case may be, and it's targeted towards black people, it's a chess move. Oh yeah. Like nine times out of ten, ninety-nine percent I even say ninety-nine percent of the time, they don't truly care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their only agenda is to win this election yeah. and they're going to do whatever it takes. And there's no, there's no other context to read that in him even choosing um, Kamala Harris is context. It's a reason yeah. why he did it. It's he a, didn't just do it because checkmate. he felt like she, she's the one mm-hmm. he did it because she's considered a POC. Yeah. She's a woman. Yeah. First woman, she could potentially be the first woman, oh. POC woman. Oh yeah, yeah. To be, you know, in in, in the executive office, that's huge. I think that's she'll, big. She'll she'll be a number of first. You got the first POC and the woman in mm-hmm. the vice presidency. Mm-hmm. You know, so that I wonder how Hillary Clinton feel about that. No, she got beat by a black man, but she <laughs> she got the potential to be beat by a POC. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it's it's all it's it's all context, man, and mm-hmm. it's like you you can't you can't explain no other context around that around what we see mm-hmm. going on and and what we see happening, um, which 
I guess is a perfect segue into our topic for tonight. Yeah. Oh, let me let me say this before we go. I guess I kind of deal with that. Did you see the uh, the video I sent you, Snap, uh, with Jamal Bryant talking to the millennial, black millennial college student, young lady who is a conservative. She identified herself as conservative. I didn't get a chance to watch it. It was good. It was good dialogue. Um, I kind of felt in the beginning that he couldn't, he was trying to make some radical moves against her. Like she don't know what she's talking about, but she, she held her own. Mm. Um, because I think the focus, let me say this, the focus of what it seems like with some black people with Trump and mm-hmm. even some white folks with Trump is, and I think this is their whole spiel against evangelicals and how can you support that man? You mm-hmm. know, uh, he said he don't need to repent. Let me say that I don't condone all of that as far, I mean, it's saying like he, he feels like he doesn't need to repent. He doesn't want to trouble God with that. That was the focus, but at the same time, like what certain uh, Democratic supporters will say that are pastors, Christians, I'm not voting for a pastor, I'm voting for a president. So we can turn around and use that argument as well. We're not voting for a pastor, we're voting for a president. But I still think that we have this thing in America where we feel as though we're God's country. Mm. But I don't know. That was it was interesting conversation between that, but I think it just goes to show that younger black people are starting to think for themselves, and that's fine. I don't care oh, yeah. who you vote for. That's mm-hmm. between you and your consciousness, whatever you want. That you know, if you felt like this person has a platform that is in line with your ideology politically, vote right. for them. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not about to sit here and get in a war with you on Twitter. And Facebook because you're a Republican. That you have the right to believe that. That's what you mm-hmm. want to believe. It don't make you a racist because you you vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, it don't make you a coon. Right. That's who you want to that's who you want to vote for. Just as Man. much it doesn't make you, you know, uh gullible or you know, someone you know foolish if you vote for Biden. Exactly. That's your that's choice. who that's your choice. Run with it. If you want to support them, support them. That's that's on that's what you chose to vote for. That's cool. I had no issue with that. But don't complain when your person don't get in office because you didn't go to vote. Right. Get up and vote. Right, right. Uh, I agree 100 percent man. Yes, sir. So I think that um I think uh, you know, because speaking with the political stuff, I think with a lot of conversation politically, I think a lot of stuff can get taken out of context. So Mm-hmm. You know, with the Cardi B and the Candace Owens stuff, if you catch sound bites, it can turn on each way, mm-hmm. right? And so that's kind of dealing with what we're going to deal with today is the importance of context when it comes to scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, especially today, when you start to get a lot of how would I want to say this? And it really hasn't, I don't think it, it's been off the scene. I just think I just think more people are becoming more inept to the knowledge of the Bible. What I'm saying is there are certain groups that are popping up on the scene that will give you a verse out of this book, out of that book, and out of that book and say, see, see, it's right here. It's trying to tell you something. See, see. 
and they will ignore the whole chapter. They will ignore the whole book. Mm. Everything that goes into play as far as why is that here? And that doesn't just go for the pop-up occultic groups. This goes for people in the church as well. So this conversation can get a little bit good and it's going to get a little bit pushy. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it pushes you. I hope you get angry. And for a little context of what he was speaking about, about some groups, check out our Michael Sims episode. Yeah. You know exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. But, um, but yeah, man, you know, even, even as you were saying that, I'm just automatically thinking, about um, how a lot of scriptures are taken out of context. Mm-hmm. One of them, one of them that I've heard often um, from both sides, conscious community, Christians, mm-hmm. not really having an understanding of the word, is uh, I should have looked it up. Psalm, you know what it is. Psalm, I think it's sixty-two. Psalm, Psalm, something. Eighty-two. Um, you talking about Psalm eighty-one? Eighty-two. If we are gods. gods yeah. Oh yeah, Psalm eighty-two. Psalm eight. Okay, eighty-two. Okay, we are or ye are gods. Ye are all gods. Yeah. And when people see that, they stop and say, ah, "Okay, we gods. God said it right." Mm-hmm. You know, I had I had somebody uh, conversation with someone one time and. Um, they brought that up and I said, well, you got to understand that in context. Yeah. And this is when I was, I won't say fairly new, but I was still kind of gaining more knowledge of how to read the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And one important aspect of reading the scriptures, you shared this with me and I, and I, and I like it. Understand that the scriptures were written, were, were not written to us, they were written for. They were written for yeah. us, but not to us. Yeah. So a lot of that 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 has to play, or that plays a role. Not has to, but it does play a role in how we read the scriptures. Is understanding mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. when you read it, you can't place yourself in front of this person as if they're speaking directly to you. Yeah. They're speaking to a specific group of people during mm-hmm. a specific group of time, and that generation is completely different from our generation now. How we perceive things, how we think about things, how we talk about things, um, how we say things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to really acknowledge that and, and take that into consideration. Just speaking to the yay our gods, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, um, you're, you're seeing, you know, that, okay, I'm a God, God said I'm a God, but you got to stop. Like, you can't just let me rephrase that. You can't just stop at that one scripture. Right. Before, when you read that, before you take it and run with it, stop. Read the whole thing. Yeah. Start from verse one. Mm-hmm. Read all the way to the end. Understand the context. Pick up a, a, a commentary. Mm-hmm. Pick up a Hebrew uh, um, parallel mm-hmm. and and read it. See yeah. what that word means. See what term God is used in the Hebrew, because from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of words are used in different points of the scripture, mm-hmm. but it may have a different meaning to it. Mm-hmm. So the word 
Um, I had a conversation with my brother one time. He said the word Lord is used several times. And he said, and you know what the word Lord means? I think he said something like demon or something. It was something like dog. I think it was dog. Oh, God. And I was like, you know, as he's talking, I'm like, you know, let me look this up. So I look it up and Lord actually has different meanings. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at how they use the term in that particular scripture because it's going to have a diff- totally different meaning than the other one. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's um, capitalized, mm. that is Yahweh because this goes back to understanding with the context. You know, when you... I guess we can get... We can go a little bit seminarious on this because some folk need it. Mm. I'm sorry. Some folk need this because I'm, I mean, this stuff on Facebook and all this other stuff. Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So they understood the name of God to be holy to the point like Yahweh. They would, if they were going, if they knew they were going to write that name down on parchment, like a scroll, if they're copying scroll, the scribe would take a bath first. Uh, get himself straight, put on fresh clothes, uh, go ahead, prepare himself to write the name. He had to be prayed up, all of that good stuff. He Mm -hmm. would take a special type of pen, write that name down, Mm -hmm. throw that pen out, and I think they had to take another bath. That's how holy that name is. But in place of that, when we see the Lord in scripture, that is that is to be understood as Yahweh. Mm. Now, going back to Psalm 82, when you get to that, and a lot of people will run with that. You're saying that today, uh, when we see with conscious community will take that and run with it. See, even your Bible said that we are gods. Mm. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, we got to broaden that. When you get to that, you broaden that context. Because that's going to carry us back to Deuteronomy 32, Table of Nations, Mm -hmm. uh, the concept of Israel is God's portion. Mm -hmm. and He has placed lower beings over these nations. Mm -hmm. And so from that text, what we get is these things rebelled against God uh, by unjust practices against the people. And so he takes his assembly, God. I mean, that language is quite often in Old Testament is assembly language, mm-hmm. you know, divine counsel. And so he passes judgment on these beings because they have <clears throat> perverted, so to speak, their authority. And right. so that's context. Right? Now, um, there's certain things that we should remember when we deal with the text. Cause some people will find it's boring because it will literally make you pause and think as far as like, am I using that correctly? Like it changed my prayer life up. Yeah. You know, make sure you have the right scripture for what you believe in God for. Yeah. Make sure you apply it right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Cause people pulling stuff out of thin air 
and it doesn't apply. We was like, man, I'm, I'm, you still preaching this two years later, and you blaming your congregation? No, nah, man, you you preaching the wrong thing. I mean, you might have a good text, but it just it something's not adding up. There's a misfire somewhere, yeah. and a lot of times it's dealing with context. You know, you're making it say what you wanted to say. That's what we call um, topical, or uh, I think it is topical preaching. Um, where you can just bounce all over the place. Mm. You ignore the purpose of the book, mm. whatever book that you got. You know, like if I'm working in the Old Testament, there's a whole lot of things I need to consider. Mm. You know, when was the book written? Who was written? Who, who uh, when was it written? Who wrote the book? What was going on during this time period? What was the state of Israel? Um, cultural practices, cultural influences from the outside. Um, I'm going to even broaden it and I'm going to look in the ancient Near East mm-hmm. because that's what Israel, ancient Israel was situated in. Historical, that's what we call historical cultural context. And that can influence the scripture. So for instance, Hosea was a northern uh, kingdom prophet. So we see the Asherah pole in his book. Whereas other prophets would speak against it because they were Southern kingdom. Mm. You know, that all goes into context, mm. you know, certain things like what, what, um, Jesus and John the Baptist, how they were so sharp with their words and, and criticism, how they was like a one, two punch, uh, was what historical Jesus scholars will tell you is that, um, they were influenced by the cynic philosophers who also had the same style of preaching who were popular in first century Palestine. You know, or it, it was very much similar to even the same ideas philosophically, living very meekly, humble, um, taking for you one, one set of clothing, uh, a strict diet. A lot of the cynics were vegans, but I mean, they had a certain diet they followed, certain um, give to the poor and, uh, certain things that we find in the text that, you know, in certain ways that, uh, Jesus mirrors, but all this goes into play when we're trying to interpret the text, you know, like for me, I grew up in a Pentecostal church with some Baptists. Now in the Pentecostal church, predominantly it was topical teaching and preaching, uh, in the Baptist church, what I experienced, I'm talking about what I experienced, I ain't speaking for everybody else, was more exegetical style, but I still didn't understand it. I didn't know what exegetical or context was until I got to college. Mm. You know, so when I came, really came to faith, I was like a deer in the headlights on how to study the Bible because the pastors that I was listening to at the time, predominantly Pentecostal, was jumping all over the place dealing with one subject saying, see, it's right here, 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 it's right here. Yeah. And ignoring that there's something that goes into play behind these books, yeah, behind what is written, you know. Um, but that that's just, that's just something with me. But ex- I mean, with context, context will go hand in hand with exegetical style of interpretation or preaching, whatever you're doing or teaching. You know, you taking that soul text, if God is giving you John 3, 16 to preach or to teach, or are you studying 
You know, what I found a benefit for me when I studied the Bible, um, I don't do the jumping around. I can't do that. Mm. I take one book and I just read straight through that whole book. Mm. You know, I, I can't do the jumping around. But with exegetical style of preaching or teaching, if you ever have that opportunity, is you take that soul text. If it's John 3.16, that's your focus. Mm-hmm. But you need to consider what's leading up to John. And that's right. and see, that's a whole nother thing right there, too, is understanding where scholars stand at on certain positions, because John 3.16 is a debate in of itself. Is John saying this or is Jesus saying this? Because some mm-hmm. Bibles will have that portion in red and some Bibles will have that portion in black. They don't know who's saying that, mm-hmm. you know, and it may be I think it may be John 15 as well, too, with that. But that's a part of it as well. Understanding that context is it could be this, it could be that, but at least trying to get to a consensus of a consensus view, something that is we understand what this means. But like you saying, it's just not starting with you got A, B, C, D, E, and you starting somewhere in the middle and you're not considering the other letters right. in that. Right. Do you think it's problematic for us to insert ourselves or to make a story or to, yeah, to, to insert ourselves, ourselves into a verse and almost kind of read ourselves into it, place ourselves into it. And then we're coming out of the study like, oh man, you know, that, I needed that. Like, that mm. was me. That's me. You know, mm. um, for example, I don't know. Um, Paul, I, I think is in, you see the first or second Corinthians where he's, uh, when, when, when he, he has the messenger of Satan torment to him, he prays mm. and asks God three times to take it away. And God denied him all three times. So your grace is sufficient for me. You know, someone inserting themselves into that and not really studying all of it as a whole, but just immediately saying, this is me, like, like, this is definitely me and inserting ourselves and interjecting ourselves into the text. Is it? Yeah. Is that problematic? You think that's problematic? Man, that's good because that's a part of, of, you know, preaching and teaching is communicating that message to the audience and i think that's where some people may go awry is the end point of now we got to cross that bridge of application and so that's what we call application how does this scriptural passage apply to my life without saying you know what forget what paul is talking about you know that's about me Mm. when we come to the text the Bible has no bottom. That means mm. every time you come back to it, there's going to be something for you mm. in there, but it doesn't mean negate what's already deposited in there. Mm. I don't have a problem if you're just saying, if you're taking an example of your life, you know, you might have some issues. There's people, I mean, let's be honest, there's, you know, um, my pastor said on Sunday they had, what was it? Seven, uh, maybe four or five people get their lives to Christ. We had parking lot church. Dope. 
And he's he said he said straight. He said, I'm not gonna stand up here and promise you your life is gonna be peaches and cream. Mm. He said, You still gonna have problems, you still gonna have struggles. Why Paul said, Work out your own soul salvation with what fear and trembling. Mm. You know, so yeah, you can take Paul's passage where he said it's a thorn in his flesh. What was it, Second Corinthians? Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was Second Corinthians. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's um Buffett, the angel of Satan, mm. to come and buffet, you know. We can have all problems. You can still, you can still be, you can be saved, struggling with a porn addiction, alcoholism, mm -hmm. um, overeating, whatever your drug of choice is, whatever you have a crush on, that's what's going to buffet you. So you can use that uh, text to apply to your life. However, I'm not going to blatantly insert that and ignore the context. What else, what, what goes into play in that? What's mm -hmm. the theology being communicated in that? Mm. you know um but there's some people let me give you another example uh where it can be a, a huge hiccup if it's in proverbs uh train up a child in the way that he or she should go mm. and in the end they will not depart i hear that all the time right um well, you know, I raised him up in the eyes of the Lord and I know he going to come back. She going to come back. You know, that's not a promise. That's not a guaranteed promise. That scripture, that, that proverb is not a guaranteed promise. Uh oh, did I say something wrong? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm serious. It's not a guaranteed promise. It's, it's just, it, it's different angles. I'm gonna give you the concise because of time. It's saying that if you do a, B may follow, C may follow, D may follow, mm. right? It's not saying that just because you raise them up in this way, because why? God has given everybody free will, but he's also given everybody a measure of faith. Paul said right. in Romans, he's given every man a measure of faith, but we also have free will, right? You raised your job. You did what you had to do. You sent them out in the world. They will do their own. I think the prodigal son will speak to that, that proverb a whole lot more because daddy raised him up. He said, you know what, daddy, I want to take my inheritance and go do my own thing. But he found out it was hard. Yeah. But even then he remembered his father, but some people um, will die without remembering what their mother and father gave them. Yeah. And that scripture becomes an ax to people's faith. If we don't understand it, right. I'm not going to tell my wife uh, if our girls grow up, and they get on and go on their own and they out there doing their thing. Yeah. Uh, and God forbid something happens. I'm not going to tell my wife. Um, we going to walk away over the faith because we were believing God um, over the scripture, train up a child in the way that he or she should go. Right. Right. Now, the other interpretation of that, there's another interpretation that was that will that speaks to raising a child according to what he or she is gifted at. Yeah. So that's another application with that text. Um, and there's several others with that, but I'm just saying like, that's the importance of digging deeper, right? With the text, broadening that text, understanding what is being said here. Yeah. You know, um, I like what the uh, Reverend Dr. Frank Ray said. He said, I can tell you in the Bible where it's okay to kill yourself. Mm. And he started taking texts 
where Judas hung himself. Jesus said, go and do likewise. And he pointed out, no, he says, see, here you go right there. <laughs> but that's, that's a part of the gender, you know? Right. And we find right. that we find that so common in certain aspects of services. Like if there's an agenda, I need a building rate, uh, building fund raise. I'm a, I'm gonna start using Malachi. Uh oh, what's uh -oh. the one in Malachi? Is it Malachi chapter three? Is it I think Malachi so. Three and five. Um, Will a man rob God? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, you talking about that? Is that one. Malachi? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you blessed with a blessed, cursed with. A, all right, here's my thing. How in the world you can be cursed if you're saved? Because Jesus was made a curse. I, I, I still understand. But I like you know, three, eight. there you go, three and eight. There's when people start doing that, that's a that's a caution sign. Watch this, because who is the first person to manipulate context in scripture? Say exactly. You gotta uh -oh. watch that. You uh -oh. gotta watch that because he twisted and he said, Did God really say that? Uh oh. He had an agenda. And you got to watch people that have an agenda that's twisting context or get upset when you confront them with the context of scripture. Hey, wait a minute, man. That don't that don't sound right. That's not what he's saying right there. You know. Two verses from Malachi 3, 8. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Mm. Mm. I'm going to bring your money to my church. Exactly. I mean, so the Lord can bless you. Yeah. And so you, you'll, you'll get examples out of the scripture. Mm -hmm. And a big one is dealing with somebody's curse. But that's not so. Secondly, you're not dealing with where's I know this might be leading to another subject, but where's tithing in the New Testament? Oh, stop! Hold on, stop! No, mm -mm. I do not uh, uh, sponsor <laughs> that statement. Um, I'm just saying that does not reflect the thoughts of <laughs> everyone on this podcast. <laughs> Here's my thing. And I guess we can let's let's take it, let's handle it this way. The most important part, I think, when we understand, because tithing is context, part of context. What was tithing for? It was for what? Mm -hmm. Levites living in the temple, you know, they have something to to mm -hmm. give God and have something to eat off of. Numbers eighteen twenty one to the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for for an inheritance. Mm. There you go. But when we get to the New Testament text, and even with the church, you don't really see tithing no more. That was really done away with. Mm. Where did it go? Was it had to deal was it Acts chapter five when they had a community? Everybody put some in the pot. Everybody, you don't see where it say, Oh, we got a offering line, we got a tithing line. Everything went into the pot. Yeah. You know, and then when Ananias and Sapphira lied, you know, that was judgment. That was now that text is there showing us that, you know, don't take it for no way. Oh, God is all loving. No, he loving. God is still God and he will judge you. He's just God. 
You know, so we see that with them, but it also talks about missions. I think that's why Ananias and Sapphira was there is mission because missions is something that's central from point A in Genesis when they were kicked out of the garden all the right. way to the ending of Revelation in right. Amen. That's something that stayed consistent. Tithing was cut off. Uh -huh. You know, but missions is at the heart of God. So I don't feel bad if I don't tithe. I give to missions as well. Because that's still at the heart of God. That's the call of the church. Why did he? Why did Jesus tell the Ephesians um, in in Revelation chapter two? Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have forsaken or you have left your first love. It's mm. not loss of salvation. Here's context. You got to back that up to chapter one, where it says that he walks amongst the candlesticks. He holds the stars in his hand. That deals with evangelism and missions. They shut themselves off to the world because Ephesus was very perverted. You see what I'm saying? So now we see what it's dealing with because they knew good theology, they knew doctrine, they knew the Bible. You won't come in that church and Ephesus talking about the Lord told me to tell you, talking about some, some crazy stuff out there because they would have sat you down. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you. You left your first love. He's talking about missions and evangelism. What did Israel got about 50 pastors sending us an email right now. <laughs> well, good, good. Because it's your facility. <laughs> this is, I'm serious. And I think what we represent are frustrated millennials. Millennials who want to press and ask you questions like okay where y'all getting this from mm. all right you know i i mean we if they want that's fine if you want to, we can have a dialogue we all about dialogue in here you know mm. but let's let's deal with this show me where it is in the new testament mm. you know if we're going to argue that but not to not to stem away from context or the subject of context but tithing can go into that that category context but my, my, my point here is that I think it has shifted. And I, I'm not just saying me, but anybody else. But I'm not telling you to not tithe because I still tithe. Mm. You know, I pay my time. I'm, I'm here to give whatever's going to fund bringing uh, or spreading the gospel, rather, across the world. Whatever I can do to help my local church to be an impact in the community that we're called to be in through offering, tithing and missions that's where i find it beneficial at um but you know with context um i think we should consider that and and so because i think there's some churches man and i'm not trying to get into the whole black and white issue i'm not <clears throat> but it's more prevalent in my perception that it that, that emphasis on you know you better give me your your time you know Mm -hmm. uh, is within our context. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. Um, and it's and I honestly, that's that's one of the just like you said. What is is it was it was one of my grievances, not grievance. It was it's one of the things that I found questionable mm -hmm. at one point in time. Um, and, and even now, so just, just talking with you, listening to, um, you know, other speakers is 
you don't you don't see tithing in the New Testament. A lot of times, pastors, you know, they come from Malachi. They yeah. they come from you know Old Testament scriptures, and um, you know, I think someone could ask, well, you know, does that mean that God changes His position on what you should be given? I don't think He changes His position. Mm-hmm. I just we have to address it differently. And that's why a lot of probably, well, not probably, but I, I've even seen and I've had a conversation with people that have said one of the things that gets them the most is the fact that the pastor is always asking for money. It's, mm. it's some, you got, you got tithe, pastor played around, then you got your offering, mm-hmm. then you got your love offering, mm-hmm. you got a guest speaker, you got to give an offering for them. Yeah. You know, you got First Lady Day, building fund. You got your mission trips. You got, you know, which which are all good things. Mm -hmm. You know, well, some. But if I have a church, we ain't gonna have no. And and I I could probably speak for her. Like, I don't think she would want to first. She doesn't even want to be. My wife doesn't want to be called First Lady. (laughs) If we have a church, she doesn't want to be called First Lady. So I'm pretty sure she's not gonna want to First Lady Day. Yeah. You know, with people dropping money at her feet, you know. Oh, so, yeah. She um, don't want the big hat. She don't want the big hat. Right. You know, we can celebrate her, but we don't, you know, she's not going to care if we take up an offering for her. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I think that's unnecessary. Let me go Let me go back a little bit when you said, and I, I'll kind of come to a conclusion on this here. I was thinking about when you were talking about, and even with tithing, is it a, is it a cultural thing? Mm. Um, and by that, what I mean is presupposition. You bringing yourself, like me say, if you search, insert yourself in the text. Mm. Um, I think we do a lot of that in the West, and it can mess up context. Um, where we have presuppositions. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, you know, in the South back in the '60s, they were, you know, '60s, '50s, '40s, Jim Crow era. Segregation, uh, reconstruction period, slavery, they found texts that apply to that. Yeah. Scriptural passage apply to that. You can move to California, they'll look for verses uh that more so pertain to health. In New York or up north, they will look for verses that pertain to alcohol consumption. And you move to the uh mid-Atlantic, Virginia, Maryland, Carolinas, it was more so geared towards uh, you know, tobacco use, you know, so they didn't have a problem if a pastor was smoking a pipe because it was, mm. it was cultural. So we, you know, we bring baggage to the text. Everybody brings something to the text. All right. So when we look in that in the Western, like in America today, um, especially our climate, we're going to look at race, our lenses are racist. We all have these lenses when we come to the scripture. Yeah. And it can affect context. You know, a popular something that I hear frequent that I, I don't agree with is uh, Paul was Paul was black. I don't think Paul was black. And I think, you know, when we use that, I think it's in a book of Acts where they confused him for an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't I don't agree with him you know, being black, like we're thinking of 
Egyptians from or like Nubians or Libyans right. uh, who occupied Egypt at a certain time period, at a certain uh, dynasty. I don't think he was. I think he was he's somebody from Turkey. He was just, you know, the same complexion as what Christ would have been. Olive, a little bit tan. I don't think he was African. I think what he did when he shaved his head, um, you know, was something similar to what Egyptians were doing at the times, like a certain vow that they took, you know, starting, mm. starting fresh or something like that. I think that when we see that, we, we automatically assume his color because we're in the West where race is a hot issue, especially when your country was founded on some sort of, you know, ideology, especially when, you know, uh, slavery and whatnot, targeting black Africans. Um, but that's something too, considering with context is trying to remove those filters when approaching the Bible. Yeah, we come to the scripture because we're hurting uh, experience some type of emotion, you know, there's, there's a song for every occasion, you know, yeah. and when you really go on through, you know, Job's a good book, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, I'm not going to kick them out and put myself in. I'm going to say, okay, right. how can I apply this text for what it's communicating to me? Because remember Job is probably arguably the oldest book in the Bible would be Job. So you got multiple bridges to cross culturally, historically. You know, you got multiple bridges to cross. You know, I'm not saying it's the oldest story. I'm saying it's the oldest book probably written, written, wrote at a, at a certain time period. You know, uh, so Moses is just with the first five books he's recording, especially with Genesis He's recording uh, passed down tradition. Yeah. You know, so he, it won't like he was there when Adam and Eve was in the gardens and then with a, with a book. And, you know, that's why I mean right. by the oldest book written would probably be Job. That's good. That's good. And I, I, I agree 100%. Um, you know, I think, um, I think. I think it's 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 all the process, but also I believe that it's um, it's a duty, it's the duty of church leaders mm-hmm. to you know teach these things. Um, you know, like you said, I you know we can't we can't necessarily judge judge one's motive because we don't know what's going on in our hearts. Only God does. But right, you know. Um, you know, if, if you're a pastor, you've been to seminary, you you know, you got a doctor in front of your name, whatever the case may be, and you eisegeting the mess out of the text, something's wrong. Something something's is. wrong with that. And either you don't know what you're doing or you know what you're doing <laughs> and, and you got an agenda behind yeah. it. But, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. So I I wholeheartedly agree. I'm not here to charge any pattern. Please don't go after your pastor and like, man, you wrong for that. Woman, you wrong for that. That's how some of them really just don't know. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's all they know. You know, you don't pastoring is really not something you need a degree for, but right. you know, some churches require that. But I mean it's really nothing that you 
you really need a formal education for it to apply. Um, especially at a certain time period, like, you know, you're dealing with a much older preacher versus a much younger preacher who probably did go to school. You know, they, they right. probably understand, you know, hermeneutics and, and context, exegeting scripture a little bit better than somebody who right, hasn't. Right. So it's, it's no place to, you know, you got a little gas on your chest and you feeling, you feeling yourself and you want to go hot. Nah, man. Nah, just, you know, there's a way to do that. Um, you know, and hopefully that, uh, pastor has a humble spirit that, that will listen to you, you know, and say, okay, let me, let me correct that, uh, mistake that I've been making. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, 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 context is important. You know, it is extremely important. And let me see, let me say this before we wrap it up. If you if you want to know a little bit more, there's some quick quick reads. Um, one of my favorites is by Eric J. Bargerhuff. Uh, a very popular book is called "The Most Misused Verses in the Bible: Surprising Ways God's Word Is Misunderstood." Another one is Richard L. by Richard L. Schultz, Out of Context, How to Avoid Misinterpreting the Bible. And mm-hmm. last one I would recommend, this one's pretty good. I really enjoyed it. Um, misreading Scripture with Western Eyes, Removing Cultural Blinders to Better Understand the Bible. So mm-hmm. those three, very short, <clears throat> excuse me, very short reads, easy to understand. I think you you will enjoy. So, um, yeah, I think uh, let us know about what you think. I mean, because some people really have an issue with with context, and you know, oh, I mean, you're trying to change what my pastor's saying, and you know, my uh, you know this this and that. You know, drop us a comment. Let us know. Interact with us. I mean, if you disagree, you know, we'd love to have you on and just dialogue. Um, but you know for the most part you know thank you all for joining um hit us up on the social media platforms you guys are more than welcome to chit chat with us and we post some some cool stuff on our stories so we love the interaction and feedback y'all give us but uh consider context when you study in your scripture you know try to try to seek to read the whole book uh you know, maybe challenge yourself to not not jump so much, but to let's say, hey, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to John's gospel. I'm gonna read John's gospel straight through, and just have a notebook to the side and just jot down some questions. What's going on during this time period? Uh, who was John? You know, what was his position amongst the apostles? Why is his gospel so different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which was what we call the synoptics? You know, write that down, and and that all goes into play with interpreting the text. You know, so and and, and crossing that bridge and then application to your life. But the key point, and I'm gonna say this and close: you gotta have a prayer life. You have a prayer life and the Holy Spirit, and understand the agenda behind it. You know, it should always yeah. lead back to Christ. So, amen. Yeah, but thank y'all for joining us. Um, 
we look forward to interacting with y'all a little bit more. Let us know. If you got something you want us to talk about, hit us up. Let us know. Trust yes. and believe that. Trust and believe it. We ain't afraid to go there either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. We ain't afraid to take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, God bless y'all. Thank you so much. And we'll holler at y'all soon. Peace. Thank you.